Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Blog Talk Radio. Good evening and welcome to the Hoosier Huddle Podcast. I'm your host, Sammy Jacobs. Along with us will be TJ Inman. Uh, as we talk Indiana signing, uh, the early, early signing period, Indiana signed 18 student athletes uh, yesterday. We'll go through those. We'll talk a little bit about the bowl game, and we'll talk maybe a little bit about the offense coordinator position. But first, a word from our friends over at my bookie. As true football fans, you already know know just as sure as the season changes, Tom Brady will keep the Patriots in the game every weekend. Our favorite gridiron warriors put their skills to the test, so why aren't you doing the same? We're almost through the NFL season, so now is the time to get off the sidelines and get in the game with my bookie. My bookie is the premier place to bet on all your favorite pro and college football action every weekend. They always have the most up-to-date lines and the most prop bets of any sports book on the planet. The best part is, if you join right now, my bookie will double your first deposit. That's right. If you put in a thousand dollars, they'll give you a thousand dollars. That double your initial deposit. You can put on all your favorite picks. Use promo code Chair. That's C H A I R to activate the offer. That's promo code Chair to double your cash. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. And now we bring in uh, T.J. Inman. Uh, T.J., busy day yesterday. Uh, how is bowl prep going, and, and what did you think of Indiana's uh, signing day yesterday? Yeah, I, I wish we did not have another uh, another week plus to, you know, sit and wait, stew around, away for Indiana's bowl game, but um, definitely enjoying uh, looking back on the season and preparing uh, for Tennessee. So we're ready for that. Yesterday, I thought it was a you know, pretty straightforward signing day. No surprises, good or bad, really, for Indiana, um, which, like I said, it's uh, straightforward. You're, you were hoping that a couple of guys, uh, Alante Brown, you were hoping for possibly, uh, seemed like Kalen DeBoer leaving for Fresno State kind of put the nail in that coffin. Uh, Nebraska ends up with him, and then – uh, the only mystery still out there is kind of Jason Harris, the four-star defensive end. Uh, it, does Indiana able to land him? Uh, and he's going to announce at the All-American game. So uh, I, I thought it was an interesting class. Um, uh, definitely fills some needs for Indiana, particularly on the offensive line. Uh, so I'm excited to get in and then talk about the specifics of that and kind of our – predictions, if you will, that are sure to be probably wrong, but uh, hopefully we'll provide some insight on, on who Indiana adds to the roster. Uh, yeah, I thought yesterday's class, you know, it ranks 49th in the nation by 
247 Sports is a composite ranking. You saw people kind of criticize that, which it is a small class. It's it's only 18 people right now. Um, yeah. They're looking at probably – Tom Allen said yesterday they're looking at, at two more spots, one on defense, one on offense. Uh, you know, they, they really want to rush end on defense, and they'll probably take – he said they'll probably take the best available player – on offense as well. So that, that class, it has a chance to move up, but as a smaller class, when, when you're signing, usually signing 25 guys, uh, the way that these composite rankings go, um, you know, the bigger classes get rewarded. You see Kansas state, I think is at 48. They have 27 signees, uh, but their average star ranking is, is below IU and things like that. So a lot goes into those rankings. I wouldn't, you know, you definitely want IU to have, uh, you know, better signing classes and better rankings, but I wouldn't read too much into it as far as, you know, uh, as a red flag for IU. And then another, TJ, another silly red flag that that, uh, people have put out has been that, and I didn't notice this until uh, the question was asked at the press conference, was that Tom Allen, um, Tom Allen's class, there were no Florida signees in this class, which after the last couple of classes uh, that were filled with Florida people um, was a little bit shocking, but you, you just can't recruit Florida for the heck of saying, Hey, we got kids from Florida. You, uh, you have to take the best players who have the best fit and who actually want to go to IU. If, if you go get a whole bunch of players from Florida and, and they don't want to play, um, play for IU or, um, you know, don't fit well with the program, then it's, mm-hmm. it, it, it doesn't matter. So I, I don't think that's yeah. a huge deal. Uh, you know, there's, well, the bowl game will be good exposure down there. Go on, TJ. Yeah, three things on that. I, one, and I'm, I'm not an expert on Florida high school football, but experts have, have said – it was not as deep a class as it typically is. Still a ton of talent at the top, obviously, but it was not as deep as it typically is in that class, especially in the areas that IU has, has kind of uh, been able to develop pipelines to. Um, so that that's one factor. Another factor, Indiana did have two guys commit to the class from Florida, Jawan Sparks and Jalen Williams. Um, issues with those guys, Jalen Williams uh, is still a potential add for this class. Uh, he did not sign anywhere. There are some, uh, some concerns about whether or not he's going to be a qualifier. Um, but Williams could still end up at Indiana, a good tight end prospect, a good athlete. Uh, Jawan Sparks, um, I don't know if he signed anywhere or if he's still looking for a, a place to play. I think he might have been a uh, qualification concern as well. Um, the, the third point uh, with that, you know, and I, I just kind of piggyback off what you said, but Florida typically, and you can criticize this strategy if you want, but Indiana filled this class, uh, and it's a smaller class, they filled a lot of their spots kind of earlier. There were not a lot of late additions to this class. Um, Florida kids typically are not deciding until, you know, later on in the process. Um so there weren't really any any spots for those guys when they are going to be deciding. Uh, you could see a couple of Florida kids uh, 
jump on board here maybe in the late signing period, um, that that could be where you get some Florida flavor in there where Indiana is able to pick up a couple of uh, kids later on in the process, which is when Florida players usually uh, make their decisions. So uh, there, it's still to be determined whether or not there's any Florida players at all, but uh, it's not like IU just went all Midwest. They do have some players from other parts of the country, some players from the South, uh, particularly Georgia uh, and Mississippi with Chris Keyes. So, you know, Indiana still definitely went south and got some athletes. Um, but it, it was a little bit interesting to see. Now, if Indiana goes two or three classes in a row without having much from Florida, uh, then maybe that's something you look at as, as uh, possibly that, that well has dried up and you've got to find one someplace else. Yeah, it, it, you know, it, to me it's – and I, I think, you know, what what people miss, too, is the importance of being able to recruit in-state and, and building a fan base that way as well. David Baker was the top wide receiver in-state. They landed him. You got Ty Wise at a Carmel, who, who's up for, um, you know, Mr. Football Awards as well. You had the guy who's probably going to win Mr. Football, Charlie Spiegel, walked onto he the did. team. He did win. You have to be able – Oh, he did win. Yeah, he won today. Yeah, I've been in a fog most of the day after after a whirlwind day yesterday. Uh, but it's you have to build in-state, too. It's not the Florida mm-hmm. Hoosiers. It's the Indiana Hoosiers. And while it's great getting the talent from Florida, uh, there are going to be years that you're not – it's just not going to happen. That's what happens. You know, I, I don't think the pipeline is in jeopardy of being lost. Uh, it's sometimes, you know, as in everything, that pipeline might be dry, a little drier in, in some years than others. And so, uh, you know, I, I think just to say they swung and missed at Florida is kind of, you know, maybe a little ill-informed of, of who they got. Now, the class overall, TJ, I thought they got a lot of guys who um, – you know, our developmental depth, and I, and I mean that in the best possible way, guys that have, you know, and Tom Allen said this during his, prom, um, his press conference was that that uh, there's not a guy listed under six foot in this recruiting class. There's a lot of length. There's a lot of athleticism. And this coaching staff has proven that they, they can develop guys. And so they went for the, t- the body types that they like, uh, who who are good football players as well, but they they wanted the athletic long guys, and they got that. And they they focused heavily on the offensive line. They got six offensive yeah. linemen yesterday, and it wasn't just all freshmen. I, you, you get um, Luke Haggard, who's a, a junior college transfer coming in. He's got three years to play too. Uh, you have um, Dylan Powell, who's a grad transfer from Stanford. Uh, he's, you know, kind of really like the situation that um, Nick Linder was in. He got hurt. He sat out the year because of injury. Uh, he has, he should have two years left if his appeal uh, gets approved with the NCAA. We'll see that they might, who knows when that'll come back. Um but he might get that year back, so he'll have two years. So you got some guys with playing experience who could come in 
and fill holes on the interior of the line. And then you really got some nice uh, freshman linemen coming in with uh, uh, with Luke Wigington, with uh, Brady Feeney, with Randy. Randy Holtz is a monster at 6'7", 350, um, and yeah. things like that. But they're all guys who probably need a year or two, and they'll benefit from a redshirt year. Uh, th- there's there's just a lot to like on this. And then the defensive line, you got DeVarge Lewis, who is a one-time Auburn commit. He's from the south in, in Georgia. So there's your, your southern um, things. And then uh, Caleb Murphy, too. Uh, he, he's an interesting prospect. He's got that mean streak uh, and and can play on, on the defensive line. He probably is one of those four-game guys next year. But there's a lot of talent in this group. It's just they need some time to develop. And with the young team that IU has, they're now at that point where they could start redshirting some guys and balancing out classes because next year is, is going to probably be a small class as well. I think Alan said they graduate. They only have like 11 juniors uh, in, in this year's class and, and things like that. So it, it's time to for IU to start balancing out the classes. And these people calling for, you know, the the – Sky is falling because the IU ranks 49th. That, you know, just need to do a little bit further digging. Um, let's go through the class a little bit. Who is your your sleeper of this class, TJ? But you know, it, that's such an interesting question to answer because you have to really define first of all who is it that we are thinking is going to stand out. Um, as a consensus because whoever that is technically can't be a sleeper. So somebody like a Rayshon Williams, uh, who's at the top of this class in terms of prospect rankings, uh, cannot be a sleeper. Um, for me, and I, I, I don't think necessarily that um, this guy is going to fly under the radar. You already mentioned his name. Uh, Ty Wise, I, I think is, an underrated uh, linebacker prospect. I I look at him in comparison uh, to some other linebacker prospects uh, that that Indiana's had or that have committed to other Big Ten schools. Uh, measurables wise, I feel like Ty Wise is right there or superior to those players. Production wise, he's up there. He played at Carmel High School, which is a very very good football powerhouse here in the uh, Greater Indianapolis area. Um, really good program, very well coached, and uh, a school that Indiana's had some success recruiting here recently. Uh, I, I watching Ty Wise particularly play against Center Grove in the state title game uh, and throughout their state playoff run. I think he's going to be a highly productive player for Indiana, uh, and I do think while linebacker uh, is a spot that Indiana doesn't lose much on at all, um, I, I do think that Wise is going to have a chance to step in and contribute as a freshman, not be a starter by any means, but I think he can be in the rotation as a freshman just as a very solid player, and I think he's more athletic than he's given credit for. So I've got to go with Ty Wise. And on the offensive side of the ball, I know we're not picking two, but um, I think Brady Feeney is going to have an outstanding career for Indiana. Uh, he is not related to Dan, so uh, – unfortunately there, but I don't think that they are all that far apart in terms of what they could accomplish at Indiana. 
Uh, I'm not calling all Brady Feeney's the next Dan Feeney, no. Uh, I do think he can be a really good guard for Indiana, though. Uh, he's an interior lineman from St. Louis. Um, I read multiple evaluations that, you know, recruiting expert people in that state said that he was the best offensive line prospect in that city. Um, and I, I look at his measurables, looking at kind of the nasty streak that he's described with, uh, I think Brady Feeney could be a, a multi-year starter for Indiana at guard uh, and, and down the line be a potential, you know, all Big Ten interior lineman. So, uh, I was really excited that Indiana was able to land him uh, and get him signed yesterday. Yeah, and, and my definition of a sleeper is kind of, you know, people, they could be rated highly, or, but people haven't really talked about him uh, or, or them on, like, a regular basis. Uh, and, you know, so you know everybody knows Rashad Williams is the four-star, and people have been talking about um, – other guys in the class too. The guy I think people are sleeping on is David Baker. Uh, he's reminds me a lot of Ty Freifogel. Uh He played uh, played at Tacina in Indianapolis, which it was a former IPS school. And I think it's in the Catholic school league now. Um, uh-huh. And it, it, he he was the best player on that team. Uh, he was the best athlete on that team. And he he put up some numbers during his career that, that were very, very good. And he's the number one rated wide receiver in the state of Indiana. Now, IU loses uh, both Nick Westbrook and Donovan Hale. And I think he could slide right in um, and, you know, be a, a depth piece and, and get some production there. So I, I think people are sleeping on David Baker um, on offense. On defense – I don't have a sleeper on defense, so I'll just go um, – I'll just – actually, Christopher Keyes is my sleeper on defense. I don't know how – Yeah, that's a good shout. I, I don't – and he's the true definition of a sleeper. He only had two offers, one from Jackson State, one from Indiana. Uh, he's from some really podunk town in Mississippi that even Kane Walmack, who's from a podunk town in Mississippi, says is a – more podunk town than that. Um, <laughs> how he only got two offers is is unbelievable. Uh, he's six foot. He's one seventy five. He's in SEC country. I, I mean, it must be really in the sticks for nobody to notice that this kid was playing there. His tape looks good. He has good ball skills. He looks like a really good athlete. Um, now I don't know if he'll be that Tywin Mullen and, and play. Um, much as a true freshman, and especially with, you know, the emergence of Reese Taylor and M. Mullen playing well. You also have um, Jalen Williams, the corner, not the tight end, uh, in there as well. So it's he, – he's my definition of a sleeper on defense. Nobody, he had two offers, one Power 5 offer. I think Jackson State's a, a FCS school um, to – so he's my my sleeper, but now let's get into uh, instant impact guys, TJ, and and I'll give you my instant impact guys first, uh, and we'll go we'll go three each. I think number one, I think Demontre Lewis is um, one of your guys who's going to be an instant impact guy uh, on the defensive line. It's a must. Uh, it's a position of need. You had 
Juan Harris leave the class, um, leave the school for for personal reasons. Um, and you've just got a, a lot of young players up there. And to add uh, somebody as talented as Demaji Lewis up there, uh, it, it really helps. Uh, secondly, Dylan Powell is a guy um, who's brought into play right away. It's kind of obvious uh, as uh, as a graduate transfer. He could slide in, and let's all assume that Coy Cronk's coming back. Um, mm-hmm. He could slide in at that right guard or center position uh, and, and replace either um, Stepniak uh, or Little John with with you, you know you probably see him and Harry Kreider at that right guard center, uh, some combination of those two on the the right yeah. side of that interior line uh, as well. And and you know he played well at Stanford. I think the, the reason you see all these Stanford grad transfers is because the coaching staff is, is going young and nobody wants to stick around for it. Uh, so their loss is, is IU's gain. And then finally, I think uh, Rashawn Williams is going to be uh, one of those guys who, who plays a lot as a freshman next year. And he's got the ball skills. He's got the speed. He's another six, two wide receiver. Uh, it gives them a more dynamic you know, if you look at him and David Baker and you compare them to Donovan Hale and Nick Westbrook, you know, Hale was six four. It was six four. He's a big-bodied receiver. He could go up and grab it, but he was never really that dynamic. He could go up and catch the ball, had good hands. Um, and then Nick Westbrook, he, his freshman, his sophomore year, he, he was very dynamic. I think that knee injury really robbed him of, of, of some athleticism. But mm-hmm. I, I think Rashawn Williams is a, is a, a step up above him uh, in terms of athleticism post knee surgery for for Westbrook. So it's it's almost a natural fit. Just to hey, those two guys are you know as long as they're ready to play mentally, should physically be ready to to, to go and 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 um, and contribute. How about you, TJ? Yeah, and Rayshon Williams is a physical guy, too. If you watch his highlight film uh, from a very good football program in Detroit, um, he's very physical route runner, uh, really aggressive going to get the ball in the air, and, and really good hands. I mean, I, I, he's an exciting prospect for sure. Uh, so he's one that stands out, and it's a position that you certainly can come in and play early. Um, and then Lewis, obviously defensive lineman, you know, Indiana brings back a lot on the defensive line, but they need difference makers along that line. Lewis could be that. Um, he's a, a player that really I use hoping can provide pressure in the backfield from the interior of the line. Uh, if you can get a push from the interior, collapse the pocket, uh, or, or get penetration and stop ball carriers in the backfield or bust up plays, you know, that's a huge, huge asset. That's what I use looking for from him. I think you're right with Powell. Uh, I think if Indiana's coaches had their druthers and they could pick kind of how the offensive line progresses and and works out, I think they'd probably choose Bedford and Jones at tackle, Coy Cronk at left guard, and then Kreider and Powell starting at center and right guard. Uh, and then you've got, you know, guys like Rafferty, um, 
uh, Weaver that, that are, you know, coming back as young players, redshirt freshmen, sophomores uh, that can provide your depth for you um, and maybe, you know, give you some time and in, in hopefully blow out wins later or earlier in the season. So um, I think that's how they would like to have it happen. So I think those are probably the three guys that jump off right away. If there's one more player that I think could um, be kind of a instant impact guy, I think it could be Bryson Bonds, um, safety prospect that can play at both safety positions or even Husky in some formations or against certain offenses. Um, he's got good length, looks physically ready to go. Uh, his frame looks like he can add quite a bit of weight to it if he if he chooses to or if the IU coaches have him do that uh, and develop him physically. Uh, and, and I think, you know, very educated uh, is not the right word, but very intelligent um, player and person had offers to Ivy League schools and um, I think a couple of military academies as well. Uh, he's... Yep. I think he's going to be mentally ready to step in and, and contribute if if needed. And honestly, I feel like there's an opportunity for some playing time at safety, a, a spot that Indiana struggled somewhat this season. So I think Bonds could be a, another guy. But for the most part, I think you'll look at this class being one that uh, probably doesn't see a whole lot of guys play more than four games. And there's nothing wrong with that at all. Yeah, and – you know, they play pretty good high school ball in Texas, too. Um, yeah, yeah. No, I'm not going to drop that point that, you know, there are other places that play high school football other than um, the the state of Florida. But, yeah, Bryson Bonds That's is right. a priority of, of, this, of this staff as well. You know, he kind of reminds me of, of uh, Jamar Johnson a little bit. He, he's got good ball skills. Mm-hmm. If you watch his tape, the thing that um, – drove me mad was that he had so many pass breakups, but only like one or two interceptions, but that just shows he has a nose for the ball. It could be his instinct to take him to the right position, and you could coach up, catch and get him on the jugs machine, catching tennis balls and all those things. So uh, I think we're all in, we're, we're in agreement here, TJ, that um, Rashawn Williams is the best prospect. Yes. Yeah, Rashawn Williams is the best prospect. He has the makings of an NFL receiver. Um, and, you know, I'll, I'll repeat something that Rashawn Williams says he was told by Grant Hurd, IU's receivers coach. Uh, you know, Grant Hurd told Rashawn Williams, this is according to Williams, and we have no reason to doubt it's accurate, uh, that he could come to Indiana, be one of the best, if not the best, receiver to wear an Indiana uniform. Uh, there have been quite a few good ones, quite a few good ones, but uh, Williams does have the physical tools, uh, and, and we hope the work ethic and, and mental capability to uh, and the drive to uh, to get to those heights. I, I think, um, you know, we, we don't have any reason to anticipate that uh, that, that won't be the case, and, and he's got the physical tools to, to get himself to be a very high-level player for Indiana. Yeah, and I think starting that Michigan, um, getting guys from Michigan is huge, too. You know, it, it's a kid yeah. that had interest from Michigan State uh, and, and schools up there. And, and so you're, he was determined you're, to leave the state. 
Yeah. He he didn't yeah. want to stay in the state, but he could have. He could have played at either one of the big schools in Michigan if he chose to. Yeah, it, it's a guy that they wanted. Um, so you're, you're taking a guy that that your your opponents wanted, and bring him to IU, which is which is always a plus. Uh, and then TJ, two more spots open according to Tom Allen. Uh, defensive end. Who who do we see IU going after? And then who's kind of the best offensive player that they'll they'll go after as well for that second spot. Well, I, I think that if they can land Jason Harris, um, that would be the the home run. Um, if that doesn't happen, and I, I think the IU staff will know that uh, before the public does, um, and if that if that doesn't happen, if it's not Harris, uh, I. I kind of think that they will pursue grad transfer or JUCO options at that point uh, to try and get somebody to come in and uh, be a real immediate difference maker for them uh, to get that pass rush going. Uh, I don't have any names other than, uh, you know, we, we you mentioned guys leaving Stanford, uh, a guy that Indiana has had some uh, interest in when he was a, a high school player at uh, Center Grove, Javon Swan. He's leaving Stanford as a grad transfer, so you know maybe Indiana kicks the tires there, and maybe Dylan Powell has a relationship with him, and they can get that one going. Um, I'm sure there's a lot of other options out there as well. If Jason Harris doesn't come through, and hey, maybe if Harris does, you still bring in a guy like Swan. That'd be a great get. Um, but I think those are the, the two names that jumped to my head, but that's the main position on defense. I really don't see it being another position on D. Offensively, probably best player available, maybe receiver. I saw that uh, Javon Swenson, who is a very good athlete, um, kind of in the mold of a David Ellis, uh, very, very good athlete that they're going to, I saw that Tom Allen said, I thought initially it was going to be defensive back, but um, maybe it was missing on Alante Brown. They've they're going to start um, start Swinton at receiver, um, so maybe maybe that takes the need off for another receiver. But I think they'll they'll probably look at a lot of different people and take best player available. You have some flexibility there on offense. There's not a, a desperate need for the Hoosiers there anywhere. I I, I do want to point out while we're talking offense. Uh, Indiana brought in a number of really good preferred walk-ons. I think the best walk, preferred walk-on on paper that I use had is Charlie Spiegel. Uh, he comes in as a running back slash fullback from Newcastle, or I'm sorry, New Palestine. Um, just prolific career. We talked about it with Matt Weaver a couple weeks ago. Um, he's he's a, a incredibly prolific player, and I I've watched him a few times live and. I don't see any way that Spiegel does not end up having a positive impact on Indiana's football program. I think it's a big addition, um, and I would not have minded spending a scholarship on him at all. I think he's going to be a very good player for Indiana uh, over time, and he's the type of guy you you just get in your program and and watch good things happen with him. yeah, I'm not sure and, what they'll do on offense, but not really a desperate need there. And, and you know, people um, were concerned about his size. He's 
he's closer to five eleven, maybe even six foot than than five nine. Uh, so yeah, I, 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 I think you're right, TJ. I think it's I don't. It, it's a high high reward, low risk type of thing. If if it was all, you know, scheme at at um, at New Palestine, and he comes in and doesn't do anything at IU, so be it. You didn't wait, you didn't use a scholarship on him, uh, but the reward of it is you could have a really good hard-working running back who's going to make your team better every single day in practice and may even, you know, may give you uh, some production later on in his career, whether it be, uh, you know, as, as a, you know, if he gets on the field as a freshman or, you know, later on in his career, he could be a kind of, kind of a guy like Ricky Brookins who is that third down pass catching back or could run or, or be an up back on, on kicks or, you know, be that that fullback in some of these offenses and and have some sort of role on this team. So it, it was a no-brainer that as long as he wanted to come and walk on to IU, give him the spot. Um, so hopefully everybody else was wrong on not recruiting him, and um, and IU found a, a gem. I don't want to say a hidden gem, but it it could be a a, a gem nonetheless. All right, TJ, the other news in IU football uh, that has people shaking in their boots. Offensive coordinator Kalen DeBoer has accepted um, has accepted the head coaching job at Fresno State. I just want to say uh, congratulations to Coach DeBoer. Every time I yep. talked to him, it was a great conversation about football. Um, always asked how I was doing. Uh, at press conferences to the side. Uh, he's a really intelligent football coach, a really good football coach. And it, as soon as the Fresno State job opened, uh, it, it was kind of a no-brainer that they would go after uh, go after DeBoer as well. Um, so good for him. And while it stinks that you don't get a year two out of Kalen DeBoer, it just that it makes that – IU offensive coordinator job that much more attractive. Now you could have a selling point of, hey, you know, you're a hot young coordinator who wants to be a head coach. Well, come here and succeed at IU. We we now have, you know, mm-hmm. if you want to claim Seth Luttrell as a head coach as well, you could go ahead and do that. But now, now you have Kalen DeBoer coming right from IU to being uh, a head coach. Um, Tom Allen said yesterday that he wanted to – the plan is to have him coach the bowl game. I think there's ongoing discussions uh, between IU and Fresno State to have that work out. I think it should work out, uh, especially with – this is where the early signing period really uh, comes in handy for IU is, you know, your first quarter, your signing class is – is done. Uh, I think there's a dead period coming up as well. And, and so it really doesn't hurt all that much to have the board coach IU in the bowl game, go back to Fresno state. There's no Fresno state didn't make a bowl game. They're not working out. Uh, at least no, there's no workouts that a head coach could be at anyway. Um, now he probably has some staff decisions to make and, and things like that, but you know all signs point to 
he should be able to coach the bowl game, which I think is great. But who do you see? Do, do you see IU going outside of the program? Do you see IU promoting from within? What what, what track do you see this higher hiring going down, or is it just too early to tell? It is, in my opinion, it's too early to tell. I do think uh, it's of note. Uh, Tom Allen was asked about people's interest in the job. Um, he said, quote, my phone's been blowing up. Um, we know, according to Matt Weaver, who uh, continues to do excellent work on Peaks, uh, he posted that um, he has been told by, I don't know exactly who, but sources, uh, that there is significant interest in the job from current assistants, including assistant coaches in the SEC. Uh, you know, good coaches see this thing as a really good uh, good position. Uh, it's a, a good job. People know what IU has coming back on offense. They know that they would have autonomy on the offense uh, and that, that Tom Allen would be asking them to be the head coach of the offense. They know that success in that position does get you good things uh, and, and additional opportunities. So, um, and as far as we know, the money is going to be there to, to pay a, a nice salary to a good candidate. So I think there's going to be opportunities for really good coaches to come in if they choose to go externally. If it's internal, it appears to be two candidates would be uh, up for that. That'd be Nick Sheridan. Um, along with Mike Hart. So I don't know. Um, we, we will see, but I, I do think it's too early to tell which direction Tom Allen's going to go. I'd expect resolution on it uh, probably after the National Coaches Convention, which is January 12th to the 14th, I think. Um, so probably a couple weeks after that, you'll expect resolution on it. Yeah, and it's... Tom Allen's comments yesterday said he wants to keep the same uh, the same system or similar system, uh, and it kind of means it might be an internal candidate that way. But let's remember, Kalen DeBoer didn't invent offense in football. He didn't invent the system that he ran. He's not the only person who could run it. He was just very good at what he did. And so it, it is a hot commodity job. Uh, I think, and it's. I don't think Indiana is going to low any lowball anybody. I expect a similar. I think the board was making eight hundred thousand dollars. I expect something similar, uh, similar to that. Uh, whether uh-huh. it be you know seven seven fifty or nine hundred, something in the ballpark of eight hundred thousand dollars. I don't think that they're going to cheap out. I don't think promoting. Uh, Mike Hart and Nick Sheridan are a is a cop out either. I think that you know if they feel comfortable that they're ready to take over the offense. I know Sheridan has experience as an OC at Western Kentucky. It didn't go too well, but he was young back then. He's still young now, um, but he's worked under different offensive coordinators, and and we'll see. Um, what they do, and then of course, then you have to go look for another position coach uh, and all of those things. So it, it's going to be a, an interesting search for an offensive coordinator. I don't think I use as desperate as everybody seems to think they are. I, I, it's a big deal to lose the offensive coordinator, 
but I don't think it's a, you know, it's, uh, you need to get into a panic. It, it's, it certainly stinks um, to only have the board for a year, but IU has the pieces on offense with Penix, uh, the offensive line, which got boosted during national signing day and the, the skill positions that make it really a real attractive uh, place to be. Plus, he left for a head coaching job. It's not like he's leaving uh-huh. to go become the offensive coordinator at Purdue or Michigan State. It was a head coaching job at, at a place that he was there for two years and had some comfort, and it, it just it made sense. And, and it's good for him. I think in the long run, we'll see. It's going to depend on the hire that IU makes. But in the long run, it, it, it could be a positive for Indiana. You're now – it shows a healthy program that your coordinators are, are, are wanted people. Um, and and IU's going to – I have faith now after they had hired DeBoer, it just proves that that was the right hire, that they have, uh, you know, they have some credibility to go out and get a guy that they want and uh, who will be good. So – that's my take on the offensive coordinator, TJ. It's something that we'll, um, you know, we'll keep an eye on. Uh, but other than that, um, other than that, it, it, it's we've got a couple. We got almost, I think it's two weeks of the day tomorrow for the bowl game. Uh, if you haven't joined our bowl mania group, do so. It's Hoosier Huddle Bowl Fun. Um, get to play for a t-shirt and stuff like that. Any final thoughts, TJ? No, I'm looking forward to uh, Tennessee. I hope everybody uh, has a really nice, nice Christmas and uh, gets to spend time with your family. That's always my favorite time of the year. So hope everybody enjoys that. And we will get back with you uh, for our bowl game preview uh, podcast, which is a very exciting sentence to say. To, to be able to have Indiana in a bowl game January 2nd. We'll have a preview of that along with, uh, you know, continued in-depth coverage of that on Hoosier Huddle. Yeah, our bowl preview show, uh, we're probably going to do it on January 30th uh, to let everybody enjoy their holiday uh, their holiday week next week with, with Christmas starting and things like that. So, TJ, thanks for Thanks for joining us today, talking about the the early signing period, and uh, we'll let everybody get back uh, to to prepping for the holiday of the new year and the bowl game. All right, that does it for uh, tonight's podcast. I want to thank everybody for listening in. I also want to thank our Hoosier Huddle team. Yesterday went really, really well uh, for us. It, it, they, everybody put in hard work, and, it, and it's so much easier when everybody, uh, you know, is pulling along as a team. I think they did a fantastic job. So I just wanted to give a shout out to Amanda, Evan, Nate, uh, Alex, TJ, uh, Andrew. All you guys uh, did an awesome, awesome job uh, yesterday. So, so kudos on that. As far as everything else, come back to HoosierHuddle.com for all your Indiana updates. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Hoosier underscore Huddle. And, again, if you want to play in the Bowl Mania uh, group, there, there's a large group already that has joined. I, I don't know the exact numbers, but it looked like it was over 12. Um, 
join join the fun, make your picks. Uh, you can win a T-shirt if you win win the group. Uh, it, it is on ESPN.com, the Capital One Bowl Mania. It's under Hoosier Huddle Bowl Fun. Uh, and, and enjoy the bowl season. It starts tomorrow with the Bahamas Bowl. And Indiana plays Tennessee in the Tax Slayer Gator Bowl January 2nd in Jacksonville, Florida at 7 p.m. If you're looking to go down to 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 the game, they have excellent ticket packages. It looks like this game might sell out. Uh, if you look on Ticketmaster, go to the TaxSlayerBowl.com, and, and they have everything uh, lined up perfectly for you as well. All right, enjoy the rest of your evening. We'll be back not next week but on December 30th to preview the Tax Slayer Gator Bowl. Enjoy the holiday season and have a happy and safe new year. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast.